0: This is Coda Radio, episode 311, 311, on May 25th, 2018. Hi everyone and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show. Taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and its related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, Linux Academy and DigitalOcean. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this your show goes on. My name is Chris and based down in the rainy pockets of Florida, where it's not so sunny today, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello Mike!
1: Hello Chris and I'm happy to be from... And by the way, I apologize. Jar Jar's not here because he went outside, put his tongue out, and actually drowned. It is raining at a rate that I can only define as furious.
0: I've actually, Jar Jar has told me before, when it rains in Florida, he stays off the roads. He can't handle it. He's not
1: very good driver. It's it's, it's actually a problem. Florida is a a wonderful state where they haven't yet admitted that they're the third most populous state in the country. Oh. So they have these highways that are two lanes. (laughs) It's suboptimal, especially if like part of it floods. I just want to throw that out
0: there. Can I tell you, I'm a little suboptimal today, so apologies if I say something too, totally dumb or the words with the mouth don't work today because I'm a little scatterbrained. You know, normally I've, I've kind of I've kind of just normalized taking these road trips, but for some reason, sure. because this one involves like uh, weird scheduling with repairs. We're getting some work done on the on the RV on our way down. And no, what's wrong with the lady jups The lady jups has a lean. She's leaning to the dri- to the passenger side, and uh, I guess it's pretty that common. Sounds bad. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess it's not actually yet at a point where it's because uh, we're leaning about two inches or about an inch and a half to the passenger side in the rear, which uh, totally just messes with the drive quality. Right, the whole thing sways a whole bunch, and so it's you mean awful. the
1: body, the carriage is actually.
0: Leaning, yeah, yeah. On, yeah wow. so think of an RV as like a, a platform that's built by some manufacturer. In this case, it's Ford, and then uh, then like you have an RV manufacturer who buys that platform and builds the house on top of it, and the house and is leaning on the platform. I guess it's super common with the f uh, with the f thirty f fifty three Super Duty RV chassis. Uh, Something Ford supposedly knows about hasn't fixed it. But so we're going in getting that fixed. And then we're like uh, upgrading the suspension. So it's an even better, smoother ride too. at the same time while they're in there. But, you know, getting all of that scheduled and then also scheduling meetups while also then coordinating with Linux Academy on when we're getting down there and to the Texas Linux Fest crew. Of my brain's going in a million places. If it, I think right now, honestly, if it wasn't for Coda Radio, I'd be in some sort of anxiety mess. But this is like my rock right now.
1: Well, listen, Coda Radio is the calmest show on the network. right? It,
0: you know, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, we sometimes get a little worked what up. What do you mean? <laughs> How dare you, sir?
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. But it is, you
0: know. I mean, after 311 weeks, it's like it's it's like you're slipping into a pair of jeans. It feels real we, good.
1: We've been doing this for a long time, Chris. And you yeah. know what I've learned over the years? What? JavaScript's gonna fucking make us all bend an I
0: know. Yeah, that's true. Like, I thought you were gonna say we peaked 100 episodes ago or something like that. I mean, that's. <laughs> oh, Mr. Negativity, our no. numbers have never been. We're getting, uh, well, <laughs> we're, make, we're making men's. We're making men's. Um, we're back on an upswing. Now, now, before we go, I gotta, I mean, before we move on with the show, before we keep going, I gotta ask you what's going on with you in Slack this week? Like, I, you've been MIA all week on the Slack, and I've missed you. I've missed Holy you. Holy
1: shit, I know why. Do you know why? Why?
0: I know why Linux. When I it's that damn Linux, isn't it?
1: It's Linux. No, when I stopped using my Mac, the only uh, the only computer uh, Slack app that I had the JB Slack on was my MacBook, and I wiped it and gave it to somebody else. And I'm using my Pop Machine full time. Yeah, I uh,
0: knew it was that. You know that you can always, you know uh-huh. here's a, you can run Slack on that Linux. I thought you were more into I do. Slack. I run
1: the Mad Botter Slack. I'm always in Slack. Oh, I okay. just didn't add uh-huh. the JB one. I got. you. I'll do it, Chris. I. That'd be I'm good. so sorry, my Chris, because I've offended thee. This is like the JV act of
0: contrition. Right? No. <laughs> no, it'd just be good while I'm on the road if we can uh, chat.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I'll add it back. Sorry, uh, geez.
0: No, no, I'm calling you out right here on the show right now. Live on me. the air. i call it.
1: All right. So if you've not liked the last 50 episodes no. <laughs> of Code radio, it's because I wasn't in.
0: No, 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 no. Um, let's talk about uh, let's talk about some feedback that we got. Even though we sure. were recording a little early, we did get some uh, follow-up email. Have we talked much about Dart I don't know if we have.
1: A few years ago, because the show was older than the dinosaurs yeah. we did, yeah.
0: So we got an email in asking what your thoughts were on Dart in general, and maybe in comparison to ES6 even, if you felt like it. Like, do you have any uh, general current Dart thoughts?
1: I have Dart thoughts. They're not as current as I wish they were. Um, I, I, I honestly... I think we should take a step back. So for those who don't know, Dart is a... Programming language, obviously, because the code of radio, that is um, compiles into JavaScript or indeed WebAssembly. Chris will remember, and I think most of our listeners will know, that before ES6, there was this, can I say like trend? Is that a fair term, you yeah, think, Chris? Yeah, I think so. To kind of bridge other programming paradigms and other programming languages. A good way to put it, yep. Into JavaScript. So what would happen is you'd have, There, I, I forgot the name, I, I don't know if... Chris, you know, but there was one that actually can do it, like Java. And there's, one, I know, there's one that does it with C sharp before that was out before TypeScript. Um, but the idea would be like I mean, I'll give you an example: CoffeeScript, right? CoffeeScript. In fact, when I used to talk about Dart, I'd always talk about CoffeeScript. Yeah. Was basically yeah. like a Ruby-style syntax that would compile into ES four, ES five JavaScript. And all of these languages give you con- uh, conveniences and. Additional I don't want to say additional features because when you're compiling into another language It's just that they make doing something easier right because the inter the interface to the developer is easier Than it would have been in the original language My problem with these technologies and, and indeed today like I do all my uh, Bot dev either in C sharp or most most commonly JavaScript I'm not a big believer in the compile from language a to language B especially now with WebAssembly. Like, if you're writing Dart and you want to compile directly into WebAssembly, I think that's great. Having said that, Dart 2, I did do a little bit of playing around with it when we got this email. It looks very cool. It does not dissuade me at all from ES6. Um, Hmm. I don't know, Chris. I'm just of the opinion that, you know, like we said last week, JavaScript is kind of the universal native language.
0: It feels like WebAssembly 2 is sort of making us reconsider a lot of the stuff.
1: Well, So, I'm going to feel really bad about this, and people are going to email us. But, you know, C, ANSI C, Objective C, and any other derivative of C basically could compile on an LLVM or GCC compiler, right? Yeah. And for those of you who are about to email me, Objective C used to compile on GCC. I'm just old, and (laughs) Apple changed it later. I feel that way almost about JavaScript now, where WebAssembly is actually like a compiler of sorts. And you know what? I don't begrudge you for using Dart or TypeScript or anything like that. But for me, you know, I've written probably hundreds of thousands of lines of JavaScript. Actually, it's probably a lot more than that, but it makes me sad to think about it. I think ES6 is very powerful. The module system is very intelligently designed. Um, I personally don't see a need for, you know, t- Dart or TypeScript or anything like that. But there's nothing wrong, right? Because, like, to me, it, it's almost like if you were writing a Mac app. And, I, again, we're going back to Snow Leopard here. Because, let's be honest, that's when things were better.
0: Are you, was that a... Was that, well, you got to. I mean, you just got to move on, man. You got to move on. Although, no, never. Yeah, I agree. I'm. I feel like I'm. I'm in my snow leopard Linux phase right now. Like I am currently entering a golden era of my Linux right. desktop usage, and it'll never be the same when this changes.
1: With apologies to Reddit, but what distro are you on? If I oh, I know they hate
0: it. I'm. I'm. I'm just super happy with Kubuntu eighteen. Oh four! It's just really you know been I'm solid. super
1: happy on Pop. We're doing the show on Pop right now. I yeah. love Pop. I, I run Pop full time.
0: Like, You're on Pop OS. I'm on Kubuntu. This is a Linux to Linux end to end show now. Isn't that interesting?
1: I, I, I think there is nothing that System76 can do to improve Pop. In fact, I am so confident that they will fuck it up. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> like, no matter what they're thinking, it's wrong. It's like Apple with Snow Leopard. You won.
0: Yeah. It's like go on
1: vacation for three years.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, really. Yeah.
1: No, but my point was like in the Snow Leopard era, you know what? Objective C would compile on a GCC compiler. You could write the same Mac app in C and straight up ANSI To me, I feel like that's what WebAssembly is for JavaScript. You know what? I prefer ES6 JavaScript. Chris may prefer CoffeeScript. Yeah, always. You know, Alan Jude. Definitely doesn't prefer TypeScript. That was a terrible example. <laughs> but <laughs>
0: he likes PHP and he's sticking with it. Let's just call
1: someone named John may prefer TypeScript, right? <laughs> as long as you're hitting WebAssembly and you're com- doing it that way, I'm almost thinking that, and I'm going to apologize, that JavaScript is going to be the sea of modern programming. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it feels bad, doesn't it? Mm. Hurts a little. Mm. So, yeah, no, if you want to use Dart, go ahead. Right, Like, no one's. Yeah. I think you're fine. Uh, having said that, don't be the only person on your team using Dart, right? You have to think about the team. You have to be a little more.
0: Man, if that is not so true. We just had a recent little uh, snafu in the open source community between. Um, only one? Well, just just this week. Uh, hmm. Where essentially it came down to people that were forking. Well, they weren't forking. But people that were adding things were adding it in a different language than the upstream project was written in. So upstream projects written in Oh, at I Vala. heard about that. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's. Yeah. All right, well, so, hey, just a little uh, trivia on CoffeeScript, since it's been so long since we talked about it. Uh, CoffeeScript first appeared eight years ago on December 13th, 2009, and they had their latest stable release, version two point three one, just three days ago as we record this. Oh,
1: congratulations. I mean, you know what? A lot of people... It's the default in Rails if you spin up a new Rails 5 app. And Ra- Chris, we didn't even have this in the show notes, but you know Rails 6 is coming out?
0: So. Oh, yeah. We should, we could do, we could do, we could just make an episode. Do you
1: remember about talking it. about Rails 2 on this show? Yeah. I do. We should make an yeah, episode it was, about it. We should do a Rails mm-hmm. 6 episode. It's uh Gotta get I out mean, of our system, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know what? It's like uh, bulimia. You just got to puke it out. Oh, like.
0: man. Why did you even? <laughs> don't even. Uh, so there is. One huge story that we're not talking a lot about, I guess, because uh, we're a bunch of Yankee bastards. But it's a GDPR week. Uh, happy! Is, by the time you're hearing this, it was last week. Happy GDPR week, everybody!
1: Yes, I appreciate all the spam. Oh, every internet
0: server. Hey, by the I way, use. updated the privacy policy. Just so you know. Yo, dog!
1: Please click accept. Right, like.
0: I actually, I, I gotta give it. I wish I could go. I wonder how fast I could find this. I kind of have to give. The, my favorite GDPR um, email that I got was from uh, Dan Benjamin who runs uh, Fireside, which is where we host this show at yep. coder.show. And uh, so of course, you know everybody's sending these emails out. I probably won't be able to find it because my inbox is overrun and every Mine's inbox, a
1: nightmare this week has been a nightmare.
0: Yeah, every yeah. inbox I have, every inbox I have. Uh, it was yeah, here it is. Okay, so here's the subject line. Subject line, the excitement of GDPR compliance is palpable. (laughs) And it says, hello, fellow podcasters. I'm sure you were expecting this email, and I wouldn't want to disappoint disappoint you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just like this. So some people are having fun with it. Uh, And some people are already going to war. Activists are already targeting Google, Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, and others uh, for uh, in compliance with GDPR today. As we record today's right. the first yeah, today's the first official day that it's in effect as we're recording this.
1: <laughs> so my my favorite was uh, Travis CI, the continuous integration tool that I, I imagine a lot of our audience uses. It ties into GitHub. They sent an email with a subject line: "Happy GDPR Day!" Boom emoji.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know uh, the LA Times and the Chicago Tribune. You know what their solution was to GDPR? Is it block the EU? Yeah, they just blocked the EU. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's insane. That isn't that isn't so you know recently we've been kind of negative like on Patreon and outsourcing that kind of stuff. This is one of those moments I am genuinely glad that uh we have PayPal and Patreon to handle uh audience uh donations and con- or not donations but I guess contributions because um the onus is on them to be GDPR compliant and they they're yeah, on top I, of you it. Know what?
1: Even you know, I know a lot of our audience is consultants. Like I'm using, uh, I just switched from Harvest, which we didn't even talk about on the show. Oh, interesting! I moved all of my accounting infrastructure from Harvest, Harvest to QBO QuickBooks Online.
0: Oh, you and moved to I was,
1: QBO. I moved to QBO. Yeah. Oh. Um, I was pleasantly surprised to find out that it's all already automatically compliant.
0: Why? D- why did you move away from Harvest out of curiosity? Um,
1: ACH transfers.
0: Oh, really? Oh, see, we use yeah. QuickBooks Online here, uh, mm-hmm. mostly because we wanted something we could use through the web so we could run it on Linux.
1: <laughs> well, the Harvest is the web, too.
0: Yeah, I know, I know. But, yeah, we didn't know about Harvest at the time. So I, oh, okay. I had been kind of looking around to see if there was something more competitive. So that's interesting. Yeah, these, yeah, these are the QPO things about...
1: gives you z- zero-fee ACH transfers, uh-huh. which if you're doing transactions in the thousands or tens of that, you you want zero-fee, right? So.
0: Yeah. Um, these are the things about running your own business that we could do a whole episode on the tools that we use or the back end tools and stuff like that.
1: Well, yeah, using a service like this like when something like GDRP happens you uh-huh. just don't have to
0: care. That is the upside. I mean, I think you and I in particular in the last couple of episodes have been we've been kind of um like uh, you know, online hosted services are a trap. They get you with low price right. but then it builds up, but in, there is some benefits like not having to deal as much. We still are like doing a review. We ha- we actually had somebody a listener from from overseas contact us and say, hey, this is my area of expertise. Would you like me to just as a contribution to the network do some consultation? So we are engaging with an individual on that, but um just to make sure, but you know, looking at where where wherever money's involved or like people's addresses, we don't we don't deal with any of that stuff. No, I don't in my business
1: either. I mean we I, I'm even and I actually had a this is a side note, but I had a consultant come in and tell me. I'm too passive in terms of, you know, I don't want to collect customer data. I just don't, I don't, I don't feel good about it, Chris. I don't, you know what? It just doesn't feel right to me, right? Like if you yeah. want to buy more services or you want to buy a license to well, Atlas
0: or I back got a in the question day code you, you could. Okay, sure. so, um, all right, I, I, I guess, I guess, because so, uh, surprise, surprise, uh, I, I kind of stepped in it recently. Um, shocker i know i uh i i i have kind of come down in favor of uh system information collection that uh, that canonicals doing in ubuntu 1804
1: well i'm actually really surprised at that okay yeah, and, I agree. I agree with that position, but I'm shocked that you. Did.
0: And so I've been I've been having a a pleasant back and forth with Carl from System 76 about it. He's on the other side, uh, and I've been having a very unpleasant back and forth with people on YouTube and a couple of YouTubers that I've really upset. And I can help you. My fundamental premise comes down to how do you make the software better without having this information? So let's before we right. talk about that, let's thank DigitalOcean. And then I want to get into that because I've been I've been really in the fire all week about this. And I've actually, I feel like I've weathered it pretty well, but I would love to get your take on it. So go to do.co slash coder. This is how we stay on the air right here is when you visit do.co slash coder plus do.co slash coder, you get a $100 credit at DigitalOcean. Now, if you've been listening for a while, you know how I use DigitalOcean. But let me explain how you can use it. Maybe you're new. Maybe you don't know. Think of DigitalOcean as your new data center. When you want to spin something up that doesn't require a monitor, do it on DigitalOcean, although they do actually have an HTML5 console, which I found to be extremely useful when rescuing a system that we'd screwed up recently. So go to coder and try spinning up a system. You'll see that you can do it in less than 55 seconds. Every system you deploy uses SSDs. If you attach additional disk because you decide you need more storage, that's all SSDs. And it's unbelievably fast. We've had, as you can imagine, Plenty of people try out DigitalOcean in our audience who are very technical. And the fact that I continue to get great feedback about how fast the SSDs are, about how fast the network infrastructure is, about how great the API is. in after all of these years, from our audience, that really tells you something. They have passed the test of some of the most discerning people out there. And you can try it out. You can get something spun up in less than 55 seconds. You can deploy an entire software stack or just a base system. It's been vetted by Jupiter Broadcasting's audience now over the years, and I can tell you as somebody who uses it every single day in production, you know me. If something isn't working for me, if it prevents me from doing a show, I rip it out immediately and I burn it with a fire, just like a big old bonfire, like a big old bonfire with like some diesel fuel on there just to get started, because let's not be crazy here, but then all of a sudden once it gets going, you want to see how far you can go? That kind of fire. And here I am. Years later, still using it because it's that good. It's that great. It's got it's got a great uptime. It's got predictable pricing. And it's got an interface that's so simple. If you've never spun up a server in your entire life, you're going to be fine. And if you've been doing this for 15 years, you're going to love some of the advanced features that they elegantly tuck in there. So go try it out. doco slash coder. No S on the end. Make sure you get that right so you get the $100 credit. doco slash coder. All right, yeah. So I kind of stepped in it because um <clears throat> well, here's here's what I did, Mike. First of all, before I go any further, I just looked at the report. So, crazy canonical with their big data collection scheme at the end of the installation of Stock Ubuntu 18.04. It says, you know, we're collecting data, do you want to opt out? Are you are you cool with that? And would you like to see what we're collecting? And when you when you hit yes, it's it's basically just um a plain text JSON file. Uh, Just a plain text of what it collects, and it's your resolution, what display server you're using, what installation media you used, the type of CPU you have, how much RAM, um, and some basic other information about that. And it's right there in plain text. And when I saw that, I said to myself, that looks like reasonable information that a company developing a desktop operating system would like to know about their target user base.
1: Yeah, sure. You have so much of variety in what people could be running. Yeah, and that, it's nothing like, it's ne-
0: there's no username in there, there's no IP address in there. And Canonical has stated publicly on the record that their Apache servers are configured not to store the IP addresses of the people that are sending them the information.
1: So, so what's the controversy here?
0: Data collection is happening at all. You mean? Oh, so the other part of the controversy, so part two of the controversy is, <clears throat> and this is where you could legitimately argue, I think, uh, if you opt out of data collection, it still sends a ping to Canonical saying they opted out. So there's still like, there's still some blip in some a database communication somewhere. Happening. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. So that's, and so the fact that you can't opt out without some information being sent is uh, a but point. But the of
1: operating system you just downloaded is completely free of charge.
0: And it's opt-in by default.
1: Right, and the data they're asking for is, and not, is literally as innocuous as could be possible.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> but so the argument is, so think about the customer base here for a moment. The argument is, well, uh, uh, this customer base wants an OS that is truly surveillance-free. There's not even uh, a packet sent from my network when I install this operating system. It needs to be that because that's why I'm coming from macOS or especially Windows 10 with all of their, quote, telemetry. And so the customer base, well, uh, at least a portion of the customer base for the Linux desktop, and probably a, a decent one, wants something that is the opposite of the commercial operating systems and all of their flaws that have developed over the years. And now they see Canonical following in the footsteps of Windows 10, essentially, to collect that data. And, and keep in mind, like we've just had Cambridge Analytica. Facebook and Google are constantly in the news these days for privacy violations. Like, everybody's super hyped about this topic right now. Because I simply said, I think it's okay that canonical collects this information, and because I said I think it's okay that they collect the information that you are opting out, I've taken a position of data collection is is okay. I guess, but I, I guess <clears throat> my core point with the with the whole thing is, even if you opt out and collect nothing, it's good to send them that ping because then they know, I then they have an accurate representation. Then they know what what portion of their customer base doesn't like this? And, you know, customer is an interchangeable phrase here. Um, and if you don't send that signal, then the only people that are sending signals are the people that like it, and it just it reaffirms to Canonical this is a good thing. So by not sending them the ping to opt out, you're actually just encouraging them to continue data collection. So that's been my argument, but it's still not being received because it sends data. Um, and and my my final point is, it seems like if you don't trust the word of Canonical about what they're collecting about you and the ba- and that, that they're not storing your IP address, if you can't trust those statements, then you shouldn't be trusting them to build your operating system and run package installations as root when you install updates. Like you gotta go to a different that's you're probably a good Fedora candidate at that point. So the the, the So fundamental so what is point is a
1: material though, risk <clears throat> here though. Well like and, in the real world, what am I
0: afraid of? well data collection and that's that's the bigger point that I want to get to with you is its data collection so i view it as not even necessary doesn't seem like even like a big enough descriptor i i feel like it's uh it's it's one step above necessary it's like it's fundamental for them to make a better product like there's really no way to make the linux desktop better without more insight into the types of hardware that is being run on like in this very moment as we record this episode there is this big discussion going on with all of the ubuntu flavors and the core ubuntu development team should we drop 32-bit flavors of ubuntu and only be a 64-bit distro on the stupid and they don't know because they literally don't know how many thirty-two bit users they have versus sixty-four bit users. Sure, they don't know.
1: But 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 like Canonical is not forcing like Windows Ten does a lot of questionable data collection. Right? Canonical is doing one ping to a server, but then you have to authorize the rest of the data collection. And the data they're collecting is is really innocuous. Like that and bug not crash. collecting your IP.
0: You could argue bug bug reports have something in there that is identifiable, maybe. You know RAM contents, perhaps if they send that. I don't think they are, but because that would be gigs. But you know what I mean. Like there is bug reports. Yeah, that are being I, I, on.
1: that's what I'm thinking. If you're running a 16 or 32 gig machine, they're not sending you a dump of your RAM. No, like, that's. I, I don't know, man. I, you know, this is one of our our topics that we had in the show notes. What is the value of data, right? And as a developer. You know, when someone says, like, the worst thing that can happen is someone calls you or emails you, right, files a ticket, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, the entire ticket, right? Like, mm-hmm. The app crashed, uh, you know, launchpad crashed, whatever.
0: Yeah, we had an email into f- the show that we just missed, uh, and I, just, I responded to him just this morning, but... The, the guy is trying to package up a product for customers that's built on Linux, but it also needs mm-hmm. um, it needs um, several dependency projects like SQL and Apache. Like he has all these dependencies, and just if you, like
1: everybody else does, right? That's exactly. Normal.
0: And if you right. don't get all of them just right, their application won't the run. The whole
1: thing vomits. Yeah. Let me tell you something. I, like I, like running 1804 Pop 1804 on my machine, I've had a lot of uh, not a lot, but I've had a few weird cases where I've had to go in and say, oh, well, the dependency archive wasn't updated for something, so I need to manually install a Mm. Like, I don't know. I I would have liked if the system had just said, hey, you're missing this dependency. It's not in our normal repo. However, the official Ubuntu canonical launchpad site has this. Do you want us just to download and install the deb?"
0: Yeah, like why isn't it aware of all the PPAs on launchpad?
1: It should just be completely aware of the PPAs, right? Because they don't want you doing like, that
0: anymore. They want you installing snaps. <laughs> I understand, but
1: I, I need the people. Like,
0: yeah, yeah. Me you know too. What?
1: Yep. I like Snap, right? Like, yeah. I. Me too. I. I mean, I think everything should be a Docker container. There you go. Oh. That's your angry coder quote of the day, but you know what? Snap is great. I mean, I love the Pop Shop. I don't love when things crash and I f- and I can't file like a bug report. Or it's hard for me, like I email the developer, I'm like, yo, your app doesn't work. And they say, great, do you have a crash log? And I say, nope. (laughs) Right? Like, it's just, that's not good for anyone.
0: Yep. Yeah, I agree. And so my, when I replied back to him this morning, I just said, you know, this really sounds like the job of a container. You need to get all of your different dependencies all in this container. And, uh... I, I still don't feel great about that recommendation. And I think it's the sysadmin in me. Mm. Like, I think it just feels inappropriate. It feels over-complex. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, right? It feels like it's it's the wrong solution. Like, the right solution is to what install is a... What is the sequ- problem you're solving, though? Well, the way... Yeah, I mean, I guess the way you would do it traditionally is you have a SQL server on your network. And sure. that's yes. what all of your software uses is that centralized SQL system. And then you you build that out, you you can yeah. scale that, you can replicate, you can back it up. And when you put all this stuff in a container, it, it it's like, I don't know. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't want it. You know, if I was on the other end, if somebody came to me and they were selling me an application and I already had a full Postgres SQL running for five other applications on my network and then somebody wants to come along and just drop a container on my system <laughs> with look its at own. It from
1: the, look, look at it from the, the app developer's perspective. You know, you're a customer who maybe paid me, let's be like super generous here, $60 for this app, right? Let's be honest, you probably didn't pay me anywhere near that amount, but let's say you did. Do I really want to help you configure your Postgres install or do I just want to throw know. it in the Docker container? I know. I know. In the snap, in the snap image. I,
0: I understand. I completely understand. And it totally reduces so many, so many like complexities and uh, things that can go wrong. But at the same time, it, it's just like how many SQL servers do you have running it, in containers? Right with, from a from a technical perspective, you know
1: I've always had a problem. Can I go back to my wonderful, beautiful, majestic jungle cat for a
0: minute? I'll allow it. Snow leopard.
1: One thing I never liked about Mac OS was the way they package applications. I, Christy, I'm sure you know exactly how this works.
0: Well, you have different ways. If I if I'm getting this right, so like on Mac OS, you can get a, like a .pkg installer.
1: I'm not talking about the PKG. So you're agents, talking about I'm the talking DMG, about straight up DMG.
0: Yeah, so the DMG is pretty crazy because it's, it's well, it's in a way it's
1: effectively an ISO.
0: It, well, and it's a lot of way like the snaps work because snaps are yeah. mounted file systems just like a DMG is, and then you have an app bundle inside a DMG, so you have an HFS file system inside an image. You mount that right. HFS file system, and then the dot app. File extension is actually a folder. And inside there is the all the contents of the application. And then you drag There's a that. bunch of
1: hot links to different. Yeah. So, so the way Mac works, right, anything that's part of the system, uh, you know, core whatever, core foundation, core animation, core, core audio, whatever, would be installed in your system and not replicated. But any other library, I don't know, let's say ASI HTTP, which is an old networking library that every app used to use for about five years. You would have like twenty versions of that installed on your system. Yeah. Because you got the the exact ver it didn't even matter, right? Like if, if Chris had an app called Chris.app yep. doing using version 2.2.1 and I had app using version two point two dot one, guess what? You get a new version for each. Yes. The exact you just like deeply wasteful of hardware resources in my in
0: my but, opinion. But, but functionally, did it ever hinder? Oh, functionally, you know what?
1: gonna tell you something, selling Mac software was great. I gave you a .app or a .dmg that opened up into a .app. You just drag that baby into your applications folder. It worked, right? I, I didn't have to care, like it just worked. Um, and, I, and all you had to do was say, you know, I supported 10.6, which was Snow Leopard and up. And at some point I dropped Snow Leopard because I, I'm so sorry.
0: You know, that that whole dragon application to the applications folder is such a relic of ancient Mac OS. Like, it wouldn't be something yep. that any platform, including Apple, obviously, as you can see with iOS, would do today.
1: Well, with the PKGs, too. Like, the PKGs are a little more sophisticated in yep. how they actually
0: work. But, yeah. I, I, but I, you know, thinking about it... That function of taking an application and dragging it to your application folder, for users who don't fully grok what the file system is, that gives them a very physical understanding of where that thing lives. It's teaching no, I mean, your I'm users, a, in a way.
1: I'm going to push you push on you a little bit, though. You bastard. I'm using Pop, which has the elementary, or I know it's not exactly the elementary. Yeah, but, but the store they are it, 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 It's effectively the elementary store, right? I completely know how to install a snap package for Slack and Spotify and Geary and everything, but I like that it comes by default and that I can click a button and get Slack. And Wait a minute. They got Slack Student. in the app center. Yeah. Slack's in the app center. Yeah.
0: Oh, on pop. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: On pop. Yeah. yeah. On pop. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? I like it. I don't think there's anything. I, I don't think it's like a convenience just for people who don't know what they're doing. I guess is what I'm putting back on here. Yeah it should be easy to set up a minimal workstation, right? Like, would I want to install crazy things like an Objective-C compiler? Because, you know what? GNU step is coming back, baby. Um, (laughs) 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 I just miss Objective-C so much! Uh, Yeah, that should be hard, right? Like, let me tell you something. If you're bored and, you know, you're thinking that your life is good and you want to take yourself down a few notches... Go ahead and download Ubuntu 18.04 and try to install GNU-STEP. It's uh, it's it's an experience. You know,
0: your core point, though, about the fact that Pop! OS makes that available, I think is a good one. Because if you look what really brought Ubuntu forward, what's been a big boon for Ubuntu Mate and for Solus, is they make installing the applications that you're going to end up doing, or using, I should say, um, it's more straightforward. Like Fedora has just recently made moves to that, too
1: which I, I is weird for Fedora but yeah. yeah.
0: I think it's I think it's it's about the and I I think it's also perhaps why Google is adding Linux apps to Chromebooks. It's about mm. it's about making all of your infrastructure immutable from your servers to your containers to the machines that you're developing software from. It's this and I I for one welcome this new paradigm because it's essentially how I've sure. tried to live forever. Yeah, I I I, in any particular circumstance, with the exception of a couple of systems, should be able to nuke and pave a machine and get it set up and going within a couple of hours. Now, there's lots of little fiddly settings and preferences, especially on KDE Plasma, that, you know, I'll set for days. But, like, the core, like, this thing does its job, that should be a two-hour thing. That's how I feel. Is that it?
1: You know, one thing I learned years ago, and we should move off this, but yeah, we, yeah, when I had my old app Code Journal, the vast majority of the sales were actually on the Mac App Store on the initial launch. And it taught me something. Even though it was an app, if you're not a long-time listener, Code Journal was, was the original Mac app that did uh, GitHub events and issues and all that kind of crap. There were competitors later and blah, blah, blah. But... These were people who couldn't go to Gumroad and download the app and figure out how to install it, right? Mm. So they paid a premium to buy it on the Mac App Store.
0: Well, you know, I used to pay that premium on my Macs just because it, and now I don't anymore, but. I still, when I was using, you know what?
1: I prefer the Mac App Store because it just updates for me, right, that's what I'm saying. Like, there was something, my, my, not to cut you off, but my larger point was, I always thought those people were crazy, mm. but they may have been right. like what they're really paying for is convenience. You know what? I released an update because GitHub changed their API, which if you listen to the original code radio episodes, there was a period where GitHub did that once a month and I didn't sleep. Right. Like that
0: Jesus. was a problem for me. That was awful.
1: That was rough or GitHub when they used to have their, uh, uh, outage problems. That was yeah. Big oh, bit. and
0: then <laughs> you yeah. would get all the crap.
1: I'd get all, i get yell that. All right. Yeah. So you know what? Like, Given the choice on my Ubuntu machine or my Pop machine, I download everything in the Pop Shop because I get the update. I wake up in the morning. Yeah, I unlock my machine when I get to work. I'm using my Dell Optiplex. Hey, there's an update today. There's an update to the Terminal app. Great, sounds good. Go ahead. Yeah, right. I don't have to. I mean, not. Yeah. I mean, I love. I like computers. I love it. I like Linux. You just want it to work. I, but I got shit to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. People got pay me to write code. They don't pay me to fiddle around with my system
0: my so my my bigger point there was is like it also just makes the reloading process simpler if you go to the mac app store or the pops the pops software store or app center on elementary os it just makes reloading your core apps faster i you know you boop 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 that's me clicking the installs and then you just go about you come back in a few minutes and your computer's got a bunch of software loaded ubuntu monte is really good at this too i think it's going to be a bigger part of desktop linux Going forward. But uh, speaking of desktop Linux going forward, let's mention Linux Academy, where you can increase your skill set with all of the things and technologies around Linux. If it runs Linux or Linux runs on it, Linux Academy likely has a course on it. It's a full featured training library with everything you need to learn new skills and advance your career. And if you go in there, you'll find that there's self-paced, in-depth video courses on every Linux, cloud, and DevOps topic. And if you go to our URL, linuxacademy.com slash coders, the one with the S, you can get a seven-day free trial, and you support the show. Why not try out their hands-on scenario-based labs? It's really compelling. You set the distribution that you want to learn from, say it's like Red Hat Enterprise Linux, and the courseware then adjust to that, and... They have, they have cloud servers that just spin up as the courseware is going along. And guess what? It matches that same distribution. The courseware and the cloud servers match your preferences. And if you have a tight time frame, they have a course scheduler. You set a time frame. It'll fit your schedule. They'll work with you to set some goals and some reminders. And if you ever get stuck, lost in the weeds, or you just have some questions, they have full-time human instructors, topic experts, that will come on and answer your questions. And those are the same folks that are constantly updating the content, adding new courseware. It's a really good service. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. And if it's time for certifications, they've got courseware on that too. In fact, they've got courses created specifically to prepare you for those exams. And they have practice exams and quizzes to help you get yourself ready. That is super valuable. And of course, they've got group tools if you want to work within a business. And they have downloadable study guides and audio that you can use offline completely in iOS and Android apps. If you're a commuter, perhaps you're in the carpool seat, why not study on the go? linuxacademy.com slash coders. Go to linuxacademy.com slash coders, and a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring this here show, linuxacademy.com slash coders. Man, oh man, there's so much hoopla to pick from. Uh, I I don't really, I mean, okay. (laughs) Let's start with this one just because it's probably... The most obvious we all saw this coming, yeah, Essential yeah. is going up for sale, and they've canceled their next phone. a hundred million dollars for nothing
1: <laughs> i don't have I don't have a lot to say on this no it's a, it's a little sad, but it's 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 what was definitely going to happen.
0: yes, it doesn't matter if it was Andy Rubin. Does't matter. The creator of Android launches a phone. he calls it the Essential phone. gets a hundred million dollars because his name is Andy Rubin. Uh, actually, in total, I think they raised three hundred million, and then, and they think they ended up selling two hundred thousand devices max. I don't know. Uh, you know, at one point, Essential was uh, valued at a billion dollars. It's kind of I don't I don't know I don't even I guess I guess I think we just need a uh, I, we need to come to a new understanding about where the mobile market is at. And about how we're really locked into a couple of big platforms for uh, a long time. And well, it's a mature market, right? I mean, have you followed the Librem 5 at all from Purism? Yeah,
1: I did. I mean, I don't have a lot to say on it. it yeah.
0: It's going d- to be a big battle. I don't believe
1: in it, right? Not in a moral way, but in a, I don't. Doesn't seem like, possible anymore, does it? It just doesn't seem like it's going to go well for them. That's exactly what I mean. Yeah.
0: All right, so here's what I thought maybe we could talk about a little bit, is you and I have had some on-air and off-air conversations uh, about uh, monetizing skills, about bots and all of that. Mm. Um, <clears throat> here we are, just about midway, uh, not quite, into 2018, and uh, <clears throat> do, you think, do you think the official bot hype has died? Do you think it died within six months? And is it because of home assistance? So two questions for you. The first one is the so, bot hype dying, and is it because of home assistance?
1: Uh not to do the lawyer on the stand thing, but I'm gonna answer your question by not answering it. All right, all right, give me your best. What is a home
0: assistant but a sophisticated bot? Well, this is where I was <clears throat> yeah, okay. This is this is where I was going. Yeah.
1: I would say that what we're seeing, and you know what, I watch school IO. To say that I was shaking like someone who watched Cthulhu rise from the Pacific would be a dramatic understatement.
0: Mm.
1: You know what? I'm so happy we didn't have a show during Google I.O. Really? I just to,
0: now I wish we could have.
1: <laughs> I, I, I mean, I PTSD'd out on the Swift announcement. I was uh, shaking on the ground in a pile of my own vomit and urine during Google I.O. Because was, assistant
0: is killing all bots?
1: Yeah. yeah. I didn't even want to say right? Because... You know what? Siri might suck, but I recently had occasion to purchase a Google uh, Android burner phone. Um, don't ask my me, ask my attorney at Snowden. And let me just tell you something. Even on that piece of shit that I bought for $175 in cash, straight up bought, no contract or nothing, Google Assistant's pretty damn good.
0: Yeah, I here's where I'm going with this. So stick with me is... Uh, I think Google Assistant is going to become the new Microsoft Office of the next generation. So it's interesting. I th- but it's going to be a platform and you're going to write code f- to the assistant. You're going to write applications to the assistant um, and you're not writing a bot anymore. You're going to write something that's compliant with the backend services that Google runs here. Um, this to me is a travesty in a way. I was... I was, not just because of Alice, but I actually thought the bot market had some serious potential just because of our experimentations here at JB with JBot. And it's nothing, there's no big hype to it. It just simply automates several steps. Um, We uh, uh, have created macros, basically, is what it is, business macros. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 The interface with different aspects of our business and different stacks. In our tech, in our, in our different technology stacks that are like multi vendor, and it talks to each one of them and it executes things for us across all of them. And it's something that I could log into each one of them and do, uh, but it does it all with a single command in a chat interface. And we've been using it for years I mean, years and maybe as long as this show, even, or it must have come, it maybe we came online within the first year of this show, and it's been extremely useful. We're using it right now. To do this show, and so I, I definitely recognize a business advantage to bots. I was never really big into the whole consumer bots or like, uh, you know, buying stuff or tech support over bots, but, but like a black matter
1: yeah, developer
0: market yeah. of creating bots, like like creating bots inside companies to automate things, actually seemed like a great idea. And if somebody could create a great tool set to enable that, I thought that would be, I thought that'd be perfect. But what's happened instead is, I feel like these uh, gimmicky, half-baked lady tubes are sucking all of the air out of the room for the bot market. And if you, yes, okay, so that's my premise. No, basically,
1: no, you got it. No, I don't want to cut you off. But ye- so, like, we're I'm using Alice internally, and you know, I was trying to sell it to the digital agency dev shop market, and I had a tough time pitching the value. But you know what? Like, just tying Alice into QBO and saying, hey i'm going to make up a name here hey t'challa that's the black panther if anybody is a movie fan uh you haven't been working on this ticket but uh captain solo says you have two popular movies what's up with that right you you're getting a paycheck but you're not working on a new work item that's bad right the the the, let me let me put it maybe that's a little too specific for people working. or you could also
0: say i mean think about this uh you know, uh, hey, Tube, add fifteen minutes to the Baker account for resolving outage with their database. Sure,
1: sure, but like the ability to to yes, that is very helpful, right? But but also like the ability to pull data from different web services yes. together and software as a service. Yes, just like pulling QBO into get, and pulling data from GitLab, which by the way we're using GitLab again.
0: Uh, oh God, we need to together, do this episode again. Or what about saying do. like you know, uh, you know, hey, Tube. Uh, how much has X Y account generated in revenue in the last six months? While you're trying to answer one sure. of your emails, that should this? be how possible. How much of my credit
1: card bill is you know what would be called meals and entertainment, and yes. how much is like software services?
0: Right, right, stuff that I actually pay, would pay some somebody to do to tell me. Right, uh, stuff you pay an accountant to do. Yeah. Right, really. And it, but it's all data that's that's available. But I feel like businesses and even myself, I wouldn't be big on that unless it was something that was running on my own local server. That would that's much more appealing. Or well, see, my own that's, or that's the... or my own server could be my own droplet, my own AWS instance, whatever it is. But I feel like it's wow. not its not something if, that's a Google Assistant action.
1: It's almost like there's someone in a dark, rainy room working on getting rid of your uh, dependency on Azure to do that for you. <laughs>
0: so, but here's where Using I...
1: Using ne- NLP. Oh, jeez, oh, I've said too much. So check and this calm. out. Oh! Uh,
0: so what, what, uh, what Google has done with the Assistant is they've been able to do something that I don't feel like they've accomplished uh, with any of their other products to this scale. Like, think about when they've launched uh, Android TV, and all of that. Like, they got some buy-in, but not a lot of people wanted to bundle it with their product. But with the Assistant, it's crushing it. And I've seen a lot of Kickstarters. They're kicking ass. I've I've been, you know, I watch Kickstarter now for Tech Talk Today, and tons of Kickstarters, they're launching with Assistant built in because it takes care of so much stuff. You want podcasts? You want music? Well, we just include the Assistant, and the Assistant does all of that.
1: It's the Windows 95. Yeah. It's just,
0: yeah. So in quarter one of 2018... The Google Assistant just went bonanza. They had a 483% year-over-year increase in unit shipments. They shipped, now that's not sold, but they shipped 3.2 million units. For comparison, Echo devices shipped 2.5. Google Assistant 3.2 million units, Echo 2.5. So this is a this now obviously the Echo has a massive 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 head start. They have way yeah, the more install market base pressure. is tremendous. Yeah, I mean, they got yeah, like yeah. sixty. So right now though the numbers are like this: sixty nine percent for the Echo and twenty five percent for Google Assistant. Hmm. But they're coming in fast and hot with this, uh, and I think they're gonna they're gonna eventually figure out a way to integrate it in with the Google apps and Google Business services, and it's gonna be why like why
1: wouldn't you? Right, I mean that's the thing. I, I you know what? I'm I'm sorry, but like. It is not hard for me to play music. Like, I love vinyl records. Please, please, please don't email me.
0: Oh, my God, dude. But. I can't no, believe but you like, just said that. you give me a hard time about the, the Ho Pod, <laughs> and you're playing vinyls. I
1: have lots of vinyls. And guess guess what? By, I, I, it's actually a lie. I was going to say I have more Taylor Swift records than anything else, but it's, to be honest, I have more Bruce Springsteen records than anything
0: else. <laughs> but yeah, but you know, maybe Taylor yeah. Swift coming in as a, I hot have a st-
1: lot. I have every Taylor Swift record on vinyl.
0: So she's coming like, in a hot second is what you're saying. A hot second.
1: She, let me tell you, she's coming in machine gun loaded, just like Vietnam. She's coming in hot. Like, <laughs> okay.
0: How, how do we always end up at Tay Tay in Vietnam? I, like, I don't know.
1: I yeah, don't like, know. You and I have a problem uh, me,
0: it is not me. I respect her as a creator, but it is not me.
1: <laughs> one of I us name, is obviously in love with Taylor. I, the other I, is PTSD. Okay, let me know. think
0: about it. Like, I can name. I can. I literally cannot name. I know there is. I know some of her songs. If I heard them, I would know it's a Taylor. Can you
1: name song. five? I can probably no. name twenty. I could you, not. I don't think I. Could do you want name. me to take this challenge? Let, Give me her most popular.
0: What's her most popular song?
1: They're all fantastic. About. What's the
0: one where she's like, uh, "It's complicated."
1: No, that's April (laughs) Levine. Oh,
0: no, not that. (laughs) No, no. Why do you have to go and make it? No, not that. Not that. Not that. <laughs> OK, never, I guess
1: I don't. Maybe I there's can There's White Horse. There's Love Story. There's no. Dear John. No, there's Reputation. Oh, yeah. You know rep- what? We don't yeah, need to do this to yeah, ourselves.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Overrated. That, I was I meant overrated. Not overrated. Yeah. You're overrated. No, I just that was the song I was thinking. Oh, no, that's not a song. OK. That's I'm not a song by Taylor Swift. No. I'm
1: sorry. I'm sorry. Dude. Trust I wasn't dude. ready for this. there's one thing I know, it's Objective C and Taylor Swift.
0: I was just I was not ready for it for this. I apologize. I do not mean to step on your uh, Taylor Swift uh, toes there. I okay. apologize.
1: Anyway, it is not that hard for me to get up and change, for instance, from Taylor Swift, the eponymous album, to, let's say, you know, Red or Reputation. I don't need to say, hey, Lady Tube, please play me more Taylor Swift because you no, know what?
0: you're getting it wrong. Any good You've Lady got this Tube way wrong. would- You've got it way wrong.
1: I've got it wrong? Okay, go. I'll
0: give you an example. So there is this company started by this guy who is just really, really, really well known for making super good sounding speakers. His whole company is founded on making these speakers that just sound incredible. He builds these custom wood housings for them, and all of it is handcrafted. And he sells in small batches, and he's based out of California. And recently, his sales have begun to decline because people are buying these crappy-sounding lady tubes in in place of his handcrafted wood-boxed speakers because people want to just have all of their playlists available uh, easily and just get access to them. And so what he started to do is he started to integrate Google Assistant, because apparently that was the one that was most straightforward for him, into his super-fine handcrafted speakers so that way he can sell it and say, it plays your Spotify. And their sales are going back up and they're doing well. And now they're launching a Kickstarter with a whole new product line. And it's simply because they can say, you can play your podcast and you can play your Spotify on our super fancy handcrafted wood boxed speakers. It's it's just like they focus on the speaker and then they put like a little Arduino in there running the Google Assistant or whatever it is. And they they like Google take care of the software software side, just like... Just like hardware OEMs are are doing that with Android devices. They're taking care of the Android hardware, and then they're shipping the Android OS from Google, or maybe they're bastardizing it a bit. Uh, and they're not creating their own OS. That's what these speaker guys are doing. It's this, and, and now TV guys are going to do it, and toaster guys are going to do it, and gals. Like, it's going to be every, anything, all of it. Anybody that wants a speech interface that's, co- that's well-connected ah, we with apps that doesn't want to implement it.
1: Didn't we say this before with like Android TV? Like,
0: uh, yeah, I agree. But this time, I mean, I actually,
1: have an Android TV, like an actual TV with Android built in. Four
0: hundred and eighty-three percent increase in sales.
1: No, I mean, yeah, no, no, Google.
0: I don't know. I mean, so you gotta start I, writing honest, for the assistant, is what I'm saying. You don't, you don't create your own bot anymore. You create. It's something. actually
1: not that hard. You just, I mean, it,
0: yeah, it's going to be even worse than mobile development.
1: Yeah, it is. I, I you know, I, I'm trying to like I have a forward vision of being more positive on the show,
0: which <laughs> like I'm that. about to.
1: Uh, yeah, you're trying. Yeah, to, you but, don't want to end we'll on a to sour. I'm calling an airstrike onto my own position here. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I bet you actually. Why don't you say it and then let's challenge ourselves to end it on a positive note. See if we can. Okay,
1: do. if you're telling me that the future of independent developers is building for the Google Assistant. Then I'm telling you the future of developers is that we all rise up in a proletariat revolution.
0: I don't think it's the entire Because
1: it ain't gonna go the way, it ain't gonna go that way for us, right? I think it's
0: like, a lot of I think a lot of people are going to. Just like you're writing now from any Pro, money.
1: But but they have Android but this is not new. This has been out for a couple of years now and no one's made any money. They're just getting started. Oh dude. No, 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 no. You wait I'm till so- they
0: launch the apps part of it, and then they'll have Google Assistant Enterprise. And then you can start selling that.
1: It's, you know what, it's not going to be like the App Store. I just want to say that, right? Like, for all the Apple hate we get from the audience, Apple actually did make sustainable businesses back in 2008. Just saying, it's a decade ago, but. yeah. These Alexa, Google Assistant, it's not going to be like that.
0: Maybe. I I don't know, you know. I Minecraft is launching um, a. Oh
1: yes, yes. Let us bless our faith in Mycroft. Where is my fucking box, guys? <laughs> it was, it's been like four years.
0: They're launching. <laughs> they're gonna, no, dude, they're gonna go blockchain. It's gonna be all good now. They're going blockchain.
1: I mean, I know we moved out of the state, so maybe you did mail it. The poor guy who moved into the house I used to live in I was like, "What the hell is this? It's a shitty Google or like a shitty Echo." Like, <sighs> Oh, man. There you
0: have it. You know, Mr. Mycroft. Um, I
1: love that you mention Mycroft every episode now, though. How is the pod, by the way? It's good. It's good. It's great, I'm i sure.
0: I enjoy it. Uh, it. It has good sound. It's got. It's great for listening to podcasts and audiobooks.
1: Do you, now, did you do the thing where you bought two and you... No,
0: dude, heard, come on. Come on. No,
1: no, I'm not, I'm not just screwing with you. I heard that you can actually, like, set... Seriously, like, because it, it's a mono speaker, right? Yeah, if but not up until... Up, you it, can't do
0: that until AirPlay 2 ships.
1: Oh, it doesn't work yet? Yeah.
0: Now, the, For me, the HomePod, no. you know, the the reason why the HomePod is kind of decent is because I've uh, I've been using HomeKit for a while, and it acts as a HomeKit hub, uh, which means now I get remote access to, like, my cameras and stuff without having to go through, like, some cloud service. It's like a direct connection, which I really like. Right, it's a, it's a local
1: connection. Yeah, instead
0: of a, yeah. yeah, and when we don't have uh, internet connectivity in the RV, we can still do some HomeKit stuff using that. So I like that, and it's very fast because of that, because it's over the land.
1: Do you know what else works without an internet connection? What's that? A vinyl record player.
0: That is true. That is true.
1: I, I mean, if you're driving the RV, it almost certainly doesn't work. Yeah.
0: Well, one of my actually yeah. one of my tasks was today, is I have this one terabyte SSD that's over USB three, and I load it up with all of our like uh, saved content, so that way when we're going down the road and we don't have internet connection and we stop, and we like at some or at some rest stop and just want to relax for a bit, we can watch a little TV. It's pretty nice. It's a pretty good setup.
1: You know, you are so adorable. Why is that? If only I had met you first.
0: <laughs> All right, Mr Dominic. Well that's pretty positive. Yes. Yeah, People want to send us do. their contact information. Maybe their accounts, like their social security information, um, hm. those kinds of details, their identities in general. They can go to yeah. coder.show So contact. We're
1: gonna have an interesting announcement uh probably middle of next week on the madbotter.com. Oh, go yeah? ahead and uh, subscribe to at the madbotter on Twitter. Madbotter Inc. on Twitter
0: rather. There you go there you go at the mad botter and uh, you can uh, you can also I think we have a Twitter you can probably follow that at Coda Radio Show and why not follow me I'm at Chris LAS if you're going to be in Texas maybe I'll see you down there and if not just keep listening here because I'll definitely see you next week